This is Bass Edge Radio. Welcome to this April 1st edition brought to you by MegaWare Keelguard. As always, MegaWare Keelguard is on board. Is it on your boat or watercraft? Be sure to get the edge. Put on the protection of pros pick at MegaWare Keelguard. Visit them at keelguard.com. Aaron, really excited for yet just another episode of Bass Edge Radio. Let's kick this thing off right now. the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour providing the most dependable most trusted keel protection for your boat guaranteed for life so give your boat the performance edge put on the protection the pros pick keel guard keel protectors Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing. Coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios. You can definitely tell what time of year it is. We have a couple interesting dates to keep in mind. Big, big debut. We've got an April 12th date. I think you're going to talk about that. Of course, April yes. 15th is the tax day of which yeah. you will get your, uh, I'm sure, six-figure refund coming back to you. So yeah, yeah. make sure you put in your extension. That's my game. That's right. <laughs> but uh, hey, before we dive off into some of the future, let's talk a little bit about the past. You just got off of a great spring event uh, down at Hartwell with a uh, very respectable payday. I did, man. I, w- I was happy to uh, launch into a good payday at Hartwell. Anytime you get paid on the tours, it's usually a pretty solid check, so uh, happy for that. Yeah, you a, little, know, spr- a little more than lunch money, right? It is, a little more than lunch money, but a lot of lunches to pay for throughout the year, so you got to keep <laughs> going. You can't just hit one. You got to do it multiple times, but yeah, so you know, I love this time of year. It's spring. The fish are moving shallow. The spawn is on in much of the country right now. We're going to be going to Beaver Lake here soon, and, and I expect a lot of the same a little farther north than Hartwell, South Carolina. But as it progresses, obviously, the farther north you get as the season goes on, the more spawning you're going to see up in Virginia or Tennessee, Kentucky. It's still chilly right now, but we're starting to get into that high 50, low 60 range. When you start getting into that high 50 range of water temperature, lots of things start to happen. And when we were at Hartwell, the water temp jumped very quickly over the last several weeks. I went there to pre-practice. Water temps were like 52, 
52, 53. We got back, you know, 14, 18 days later, whatever it was, and uh, water temps were in the low 60s. And there was a good push of fish moving up to the bed. We had a new moon just before practice began. Then, of course, you know, weeks or so after that, you're, you're starting to approach that full moon. And there's a lot of play going on with that this time of year. You're always wanting to watch that. But uh, water temperature is the key deal. It's a fun time to fish. It's when the fish are most aggressive from now until probably mid-June. It's just the time we all really need to be concentrated, get out on the water, enjoy that fishing. Tomorrow. Hey, one thing I want to ask you about, Hartwell, I do know it's, it was a sight fishing tournament because of the yes. big push, but even yes. independent of that, one thing I think that all of us recreational to competitive anglers have to deal with because there are massive amounts of people hitting the water to go and fish. You dealt with this during the tournament, which is even a little more heightened or frustrating when you have yeah. people that are in on your spots that you maybe you found. I shouldn't say your spots, but spots yeah. that you were basically going to kind of rely on, right, during yeah. the tournament. And I know you and I talked a little bit before off air prior to that. Walk us through kind of what's going through your mind and how you adjust as that tournament moves on. Well, this time of year, I think it's really important to start where you have the most confidence that you can catch the largest fish. I mean, that sounds easy, but a lot of times anglers will go to where they think they can catch a limit or fish for a limit and kind of get that limit going. But I think during this time of year, especially, it's most important to go where you can catch those bigger fish right off the bat because you're exactly right. What happens is the fish get real predictable. That's why a lot of us catch a lot of fish in the springtime. And so those places get very crowded. When you start running areas or patterns and what happened to me at Hartwell, I would go into a pocket and see a boat that's already there. I would run into the next pocket that I wanted to fish up and there's a boat there. But really mentally, I had to keep it that, hey, if I keep running those pockets and those backs ends of those creeks where the fish were spawning and starting the stage, eventually I would open up to my advantage where I would find some areas. And if I worked them fast and thoroughly and hit more pockets than the other guys that were maybe fishing a little bit slower or fishing a little bit differently than I was, I would be able to capitalize. And that's really what happened. So, you know, didn't get frustrated about seeing so many boats, really putting the pressure on the areas that I wanted to fish. I just kept working those areas and working around the other anglers to maximize what I knew was occurring on the lake. And that's what led me to the success. So it's easy to potentially get frustrated and then divert from your original strategy. But in this particular scenario, it worked out that I stayed with my strategy and I just kept working around the other anglers and what they were doing so I could capitalize. Well, as the song goes, uh, you know, know when to hold them, know when to fold them. And uh, that's <laughs> obviously played out well for you at Hartwell. Let's go to, to the present. You know, you've heard us talk many, many times here concerning Bass Blaster and what Jake Kumar is doing. And I think everybody has the mantra of, of knowing how and the importance of getting signed up. But there's something neat that has came out on the Bass Blaster, Kurt, that really yeah. Kevin, Kevin Short, a really good friend of yours and, and Bass Edge, who's doing something that's kind of unique. And, and I want to throw that out there. If you could chat just briefly before we kind of move on to the big announcement. Aaron, you're exactly right. So, you know, first of all, I got to say, go to the BassEdge.com website, click on the Bass Blaster graphic right there in the front on our little scroll deal and get signed up for Bass Blaster. It, it's such a cool deal. And what's been going on, Aaron, with this Kevin Short thing and, and for all the Bass Edge Nation is Kevin is really breaking down a lot of the inside scoop on pro angling. You know, a couple weeks ago, Bass Blaster put out there some entry fees versus payback scenarios. You know, it shows where Kevin breaks down, kind of does a pie chart on everything. So you got to check that out. And then just this past week, Kevin broke 
down basically the classes of anglers that are out there and how it works as far as what guys are getting paid, what they expect, and how they try and advance to continue to be a professional angler. So it's really neat on how he breaks that down. He's got the six and a half percenters, which is guys that are actually making money before they make a cast. But he's suggesting there's only six or seven of those guys on the entire tours that make that. And then there's a you know some guys in the next category, the next 20 percent that are just making a little bit of money. And then there's the bottom couple classes, the haves and have nots. We're not sure how they continue to make it because it's so tough out there. But overall, what I got to say is keep a hold of Bass Blaster. If you're not on it, get on it. Man, they've got some of the coolest stuff. Jay Kumar doing a great job there. So uh, check out those reads from Kevin Short. Bass Blaster's providing links to those. Good stuff if you're interested in how the tournament world really works from the inside. Maybe we should get Kevin Short on again. That's what I'm thinking, you know. I mean, one thing that the story, you know, that that I've seen and that I've, as I've been following it, is it just shows what we are willing to do and how passionate we are. And ultimately, you know, yeah, it's the money and you have to make a living for those that are out here doing this full time. But it also really, I think, proves the point, you know, Kurt, of the ends that we're willing to go through. So, but I think that story from Kevin would be a great interview because, you know, he's officially, I guess you could say, retired kind of from the elite level. So, yeah, I I think we we need to put that on the docket and, and get him on here. Let's jump ahead now to this big announcement, April 12th. So, dude, we have talked about this in past episodes, 20 feet deep. This program is an online show. They're taped episodes. Previously, they've done one with Mike Iconelli, which was very interesting. Talked about Mike's background, where he came from, how he grew up and became part of the professional fishing industry. Then they've done one with uh, Steve Kennedy. Again, some of the same things. They talk about some of his sponsorship stuff, how, you know, Steve kind of does everything on his own. So it's it's really in-depth. Now you've got Matt Pangrak from Bass Zone. He has produced this new episode of 20 Foot Deep, and basically it talks about Lake Gunnersville. You've got all these pro anglers that are living around Lake Gunnersville. You've got classic champ Boyd Duckett, classic champ Randy Howe, classic champ Chris. Chris Lane, FLW Cup champ, Kevin Hawk. The list goes on of, you know, you got Jordan Lee, Matt Lee, Justin Lucas, Derek Remitz. I mean, dude, there's probably 15 full-time pro anglers that live on or right around that Lake Gunnersville area. And Matt details the aura of Lake Gunnersville. Goes back and talks to uh, some of the old timers there. This is going to come out April the 12th. Check it out. 20-foot deep.com or you can get on through basszone.com and you'll see the click throughs there 20 foot deep great show awesome in-depth just great bass fishing entertainment look forward definitely to seeing that in the meantime kurt clock is ticking who do you got up for us clock is ticking and we got the man in the house 2016 bassmaster classic champ coming at you two fishermen came together with one agenda to construct bass boats superior in design and build with a flawless finish with our boats exhilarating handling and smooth ride extreme rough water just doesn't exist we're not just building a boat we're building a legend legend boats 
Here we go, Bass Edge. This guy has been tearing up the trail for years, but especially over the last 18 months. Three wins and the latest one, the biggest of them all. 2016 Bassmaster Classic Champion, Edwin Evers. Really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today, Edwin. Guys, glad to be here. Thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity. Well, Edwin, you know, you've certainly accomplished so much in bass fishing. I mean, it's it's hard enough for anglers to try and make a living in this sport, but to do so well for so long and really recently elevate your success even more has to be an amazing feeling. It's just been going good. It, it is an amazing feeling. I don't know how to describe it. It's just, man, I'm on cloud nine, and uh, if I'm dreaming, please don't wake me up. <laughs> it's really special when you can take a, a role like you've been on, especially after you've seen you know some highs and really some lows. You know, you almost won Angler of the Year back in, I think it was 2014, or actually, I guess it was 13, and then rolled into 14 and 15 and really kept the momentum going even though there was a bump in the road and man you have come out on the other side as the classic champ i really want to break down that lure and technique you use the final day to seal the deal in the classic that final day it's a really really special lure it's handmade it's a custom jig you know it's andy's bass custom jigs and he hand ties everything and the deal that makes the jig so good it's got that old flat living rubber and he's figured out a way to get a bunch of that stuff that none of the rest of us could get, you know, and uh, that stuff's just really, really special in that clear water. Just a little 516th Andy's custom bass jig and E-Series finesse jig, and man, they bid it. I don't know what to say. It was a fun, fun day. You know, I had 29 pounds on it, had a little zoom critter crawl green pumpkin on the back of it, and I spent a little orange on the pinchers, you know, to make it look like them crawdads, and it was special. This is kind of an area that you didn't visit, right, the previous days of the event. Is that correct? It is very correct. It's an area I'm real familiar with. One, I like to float that river with my son, too. It's, um, you know, on the lake side of it. It's just I've been there before. And, and uh, you know, in practice, I went up there. I was up there maybe 30 minutes, and uh, I caught like a seven-pounder off one log, and I shook two other fish off, and I came back down the lake a little bit, and I, I caught another one that was probably close to seven pounds. And I know that sounds phenomenal, and you get all excited as a fisherman if you say that, but I just I've been up there so many times. I know not to get too excited about it because you have to have the right conditions to catch those fish. And, and the day I was up there in practice was cloudy and windy and kind of like the final day we had in the Classic. You know, that final day, I went up there hoping to catch two, maybe three big ones, and man, I ended up catching all of them up there. And it just worked out. I don't know what to say. I made some really good decisions that week, and it really worked out. Let's kind of run with that a little bit further, because I think all of us, Edwin, whether we're recreational or at you and Kurt's level, we all have kind of a preconceived notion, perhaps, of how a tournament or a day on the water might play out. And let's discuss how you thought the tournament would play out in pre-practice versus how the conditions of the event were and the adjustments or ways your mental strategy was different. How can a weekend angler relate to such changes? It's just experience and gut instinct. It's kind of throwing stuff out the window that you're accustomed to. You know, if you were catching them last week doing something and and the conditions aren't the same, you know, you need to not waste any time trying to go make those fish bite. You know, for me, the biggest thing that really helped me win that classic, I wrote the whole lower end of the lake off. That's the end I am the most familiar with. Guys, I spent a ton of time down there last winter and in the 2013 classic. I mean, it's just the end of the lake I really, really like. It had the worst conditions. It was the muddiest and uh, I don't fish that upper end very much. 
was. It just worked out good that I spent all my time up the lake in my three-day practice period in the best water, the best conditions, and uh, it worked out good. So I think it's just one of those things with, with experience, and the more you're on the water, the more confident you're going to be when you make those decisions. There was a lot of chatter during the tournament about the uh, water temperature rising. Of course, in the springtime, obviously, that's going to play in the hands of, of many anglers because of the way the fish will become more active. And people were kind of really expecting the fishing to get better as the event went on. Did you play into those conditions? Was that part of your mental strategy or how did that affect your plans? you know, initially thought the fishing would get better as that water warmed, but it didn't. It, it, it actually went the other direction on the mid-lake fish, you know, the, the area around Sailboat Bridge and south. Uh, right. As that water warmed, those fish dispersed, and it, and it wasn't very good, you know, because I had a really good practice in that area throwing that Megadass flap slap. And, man, by the first day of the tournament, I only caught four. I lost a couple, and it just it wasn't going very good at all. And, uh, you know, the thing about where I caught those fish the final day, that's a real constant water level. Well, that water has so much current to it that it doesn't change very often, no matter how cold or how warm it gets. Gotcha. So you think that helped probably keep those fish in the particular stage they were in previously? Because there was other guys fishing up in that region, and it's not like it was not pressured at all. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, other guys, I guess Randy was up there quite a bit. He said on TV and told me in person he just couldn't catch them. That's kind of how, that's just from being living there, you know, I know how those elk river fish are. They're just very, very finicky, and uh, he was there a day too early. He needed that wind in those clouds. Right. You know, looking at your experience, Edwin, and expertise really throughout the country, it's a huge part of your success. And when you're fishing the springtime of the year, how can you relate some similarities you see throughout the country that perhaps you could share with Bass Edge listeners to catch more fish during this time of year? thing you know this time of year things change really fast you know water levels drop water levels fall cold fronts come in you've got to not to be too stubborn you know you may have caught them flipping bushes last weekend and now the water came up and you need to move up shallow or, or maybe it fell and you need to go out to the first drop same with water temperatures it's just it's just a matter of making adjustments and kind of paying attention to what that water level is doing and that water temperature is doing because uh, it's changes really really fast day to day week to week you know a lot of guys aren't able to be on the water all week long to stay with them so if you get out there you know saturday and you fished the previous saturday just don't try to do it all day long or if you're not getting the right bites you know just maybe recognize a little sooner that those fish may have moved a little shallower maybe they've locked down on beds where you're catching on a spinnerbait you need to start flipping or, or throwing a floating worm so it's just kind of being open-minded i guess and being willing to adapt to what's happening and it sounds to me like you know the the key word there is is versatility it's kind of important you know i, I have a lot of rods rigged up in my boat so uh, i think it is you know there's other guys out there on the trail that they're kind of one-trick ponies they just tie one or two lures on and they're going to ride them and make it happen but uh, for me i'm not that way i I like to have a lot of stuff rigged up for whatever conditions I may have throughout the day. That is a fact. That's something I can attest to. I've seen Edwin's boat on numerous occasions, and he always has plenty of sticks up front. So uh, that, that, <laughs> that's good stuff. Great educational tool right there, the versatility. I tell you what, we're going to take a short break. We're going to return with more from Bassmaster Classic Champion Edwin Evers right here on Bass Edge Radio. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
If it's hard to stop or you hear squealing and grinding noises during braking, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. You'll find the brake parts you need from trusted brands like BrakeBest, BrakeBest Select, and Wagner ThermoQuiet at everyday low prices. Play it safe with brake parts from O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Passage returns with BASS elite angler Edwin Evers in our Angler Spotlight. Brought to you in part by MegaWare Keelguard. Be sure to protect your boat from harmful rocks and road debris. Visit them at keelguard.com. Edwin, this is pretty interesting, at least, you know, watching it from my vantage point. Once winning the Classic, your son had a brief moment to say something on stage. You got to love kids and their reactions. He mentions buying some pecans, man. That was so awesome. (laughs) So how does a bass pro get into pecan trees, and how is that business going for you? It's going great. It's something that I studied for a long time, Kurt. It was uh, one of those things that, I don't know, I kind of wanted something to do in the fall and when we have a little bit of downtime and I love being outside I love the hunting and I wanted something to make a little income on and my wife said we're not doing cows she doesn't want to feed cows on the way and I really really studied look at these pecans I visited lots of farms and talked to the owners and you know I just I was amazed at how many of them would just invite you into their house tell you all about them I mean it was like their kids they were talking about when they're talking about their trees <laughs> that's awesome and um, actually went to a college class over it and found a place to buy that had an existing orchard on it and since then planted 2,000 more trees and uh, man I'm really busy when I'm home working on it you know for me I'm hoping it's going to turn into my retirement someday when I get ready to quit fishing and then it's going to be something I'll be able to pass on to my kids too so I just love it there's nothing more beautiful than a manicured pecan orchard (laughs) that's cool so how does somebody go about finding Edwin Evers pecans I just got a a website (laughs) edwinneverspecans.com that's uh, pretty simple okay (laughs) so you buy them by the pound by the bushel how does that work? Uh, it's by the pound. We got candied pecans. We've got, uh, we're all out of fresh pecans. We sold everything that I grew this year. But, you know, candied pecans, I, I can get those throughout the year. I've, I've got a really good connection with a guy that candies them. I don't do it. And he candies these things, and they're awesome. I got those, and it's by the pound. You can buy them up to seven pound bags. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it's cool. dude, you know, the, the Van Dam many years ago had the lucky cookies, and you still hear <laughs> about all that stuff, dude. You need to do Edwin's Lucky Pecans. I'm feeling it, That's dude. Right. Matter of fact, <laughs> I would like to be your first customer if you don't mind. I'll bring you some to the next event. All right, dude. That'd be great. I appreciate that. Hey, speaking of the next event, you know, 2016 has started off with a real bang for you with a 16th place finish in Florida, Edwin. And, and you know, it's probably an understatement to realize how busy that you've been after winning the Classic and just the requirements on your time. But then to turn around and come out with the first event with a 16th place finish and somehow find the ability to concentrate and actually get back to business. Yeah, how did you attack that event and what was the most successful for you there? I kind of took it as a challenge. Everybody said, you're not going to be able to fish. You're not going to be able to concentrate. You know, I just, that's like smelling gas on my fire. I just, I want to <laughs> go out there and prove that I can, you know, to be honest with you guys, I looked at that event and I did really bad because I had an hour window that first morning. Everybody thought I caught that 913 sight fish and I didn't. I mean, I've seen some big fish in that area, but the wind and the rain started pouring and I lost one right before then it was like a 7-8 pounder I catch that 9 pounder I lose another 7-8 pounder I have a 5 pounder to 
the boat, burning a vibrating jig, and it was just aggravating not to capitalize more on each day. I just each day I had lots of opportunities to have a lot better tournament. But uh, other than that, you know, I am real happy to get out of Florida, trying to be on the positive side of things with a good finish. You know, Florida's kind of one of those hit or miss states for me, so um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to get to South Carolina the next event. I don't know anything about it. It's a destination that we've never been to on the Elite Trail, but I like that too. I like going to a place that we've never been, so it's going to be interesting. So how does that work? So you're going to, I think it's pronounced Wina Bay. Were you able to pre-practice? I mean, you've got so much going on prior to. No, I'm going to, you know, as I'm flying home tomorrow and the next few days at the house in between when the kids are at school, I am going to really, really study it on Google Maps and uh, just try to narrow it down to what looks good from photos and, you know, spend my three days in those areas and, and try to figure out what it takes to make one bite. I'm really looking forward to it. That's cool. And, and of course, obviously, this time of year, most of the country is kind of getting into that spawning period. You hear so many anglers, especially, you know, weekend anglers that really never understood the spawning cycle and how it works. Just being in this time of year, you just came out of Florida. You're probably going to be in that spawn phase through the events for the next month and a half or so. Can you briefly describe your spawning indicators for our listeners? You know, water temperature is an indicator, time of year, the moon. They're going to do it on the full moon and the new moon. With all that said, you know, you need to have pretty constant water level for all that to happen. And then, you know, kind of how I attack the spawn is you've got one or two options. You can fish really, really slow, let a bait sit there. If you visually can't see them, or you can make them react. And uh, what I mean by that is reeling a spinnerbait really fast, reeling a crankbait really fast, a jerkbait, whatever it is, you know, to the conditions that you're fishing. But, uh, you know, I always try to picture where I think a fish should be spawning, you know, when you're fishing muddy water events and try to put my bait in there and try to picture it all going on. You know, Kurt, we've sight fished a bunch and you know how long it takes to get a fish to bite. You bet. Sight fishing when you can actually see one. So then I try to make that whole scenario happen again when I can't see one. So it really makes you slow down. But, uh, you know, those are the two things and how I like to approach it. Good stuff. I tell you what, we got a really good listener question here, but I got to ask you, how is your brother-in-law Terry doing, man? I haven't seen him for a while. Man, he's doing great. He's just loving life. His daughter went to area in basketball and ate up with basketball. He thinks about it 24-7. He can give you the uh, exact stats of every team they're going to play. <laughs> he keeps up with it you know, greatly. Still doing quite a bit of fishing. He's uh, fishing there locally in, in those big team tournaments with his dad. Yeah. And golfing every now and then. No, he's doing really, really good. We talk That's every awesome. day. That's great. And, and for those that don't know, we're talking about Terry Butcher. Terry is uh, Edwin's brother-in-law and an outstanding angler that fished the Elite Series for many years. It obviously still competes regularly at the regional level and continues to be very successful. Quick shout out to Terry. What's up, dude? Hope you're doing great out there. And uh, that's awesome to have a family that's really close into, into fishing. And, and Edwin, it, it must feel good to have that around you. It is. It's neat. I got on both sides of my family, my side and, and, and my wife's side. It's fun having family get together, talking about fishing. And my father-in-law, you know, he's Terry Sr. There's nobody in the country that I think gets more excited, more geeked out to go fishing. He's like a little kid on Christmas <laughs> morning every time he goes fishing. Every time. It's the funniest thing ever. That's fun. It keeps everybody's spirits up, man. Well, here is uh, our O'Reilly Auto Parts Better Parts, Better Prices Every Day listener question segment. Today's question comes from Tony Papazane. Tony asks, during the spawn... I always hear the pros saying that waves of fish move up with the full moon. How many days prior to the full moon will bring large groups up to spawn if conditions are right? Wow. Man, I... 
I don't know, Kurt. What do you think? I'm going to say two <laughs> to three days. As that moon gets bigger, more fish start to come. And as you get closer, you know, I think today is a full moon. So, I mean, I would have thought just a couple of days ago, you know, those things were moving forward as that thing was getting big. I think you're right, Edwin. I, I think, you know, two to three days prior, I think there's some movement that takes place if uh, conditions are right. And even if conditions aren't quite right, I still think it kind of tends to pull them up. But it's funny you mentioned that. It's the spawning season. I think more this time of year than any time of year, say, you know, mid-February through the end of April, every pro angler out there kind of knows where that moon phase is at because they're watching it, just like we heard from Edwin. I mean, immediately he knows we're approaching or right upon a full moon cycle right now. So um, I think it's very interesting. And Tony, that's a great question. As far as waves of fish, Edwin, can you elaborate a little bit on that? I mean, earlier you talked about the new moon as well, a full and new. Do you see the same things going on both ways? Yeah, I think so. You know, the draw is obviously more on the full moon. And, you know, in my experience, I think those fish are drawn shallow starting in January and February. You know, even when the water is really, really cold, I've seen fish up shallow. They're not spawning, but the the draw that full moon brings them shallow way sooner than the water temperature would indicate. And uh, I've proved that time and time again all across the country. You know, then when the water gets right, that time that they come up there and that water's high 50s, low 60s, mid 60s, then those fish actually go ahead and spawn. But uh, each lake's different. You know, if you got a lake that's just full of fish like, you know, say Toledo Bend, Sam Rayburn, you know, there is huge waves that move up. You know, then there's other lakes that maybe aren't as strong a fish population. So you're not going to have the same bunches of fish come shallow. You know, you're just going to have one here, one there kind of deal. Well, good stuff. And Edwin, thanks for answering that question. Tony, you can honestly say now that your question has been answered by the Bassmaster Classic champion. Hey, Tony, be sure to email us at support at BassEdge.com and go to the BassEdge.com website and click on the Claim Your Prize, and that will let us know that you heard your question answered on the show, and we will send you out that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. And another reminder, Bass Edge listeners, send in those questions to possibly win that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card. Of course, we want to hear your feedback on the show as well. Email us via support at BassEdge.com or leave us a comment through our Facebook and Twitter pages. Edwin, huge congratulations on being the 2016 Bassmaster Classic Champion. And uh, before we continue the show, any closing thoughts for our Bass Edge listeners? Hey, guys, just thanks a lot for having me on. And, uh, man, I wish everybody out there listening to have a great spring and get out there and take a kid fishing. It's lining up to be a good year fishing. So uh, I just wish everybody the best, and thanks for having me on. That's a fact, Edwin. Huge congratulations. Thanks for being here on the show. Really hope we can do this again sometime. I know the fans are always interested to hear from you. Looking forward to seeing you on the road and wishing you continued success in the 2016 season. Bass Edge will return after this quick break. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. This is 2015 BASS College Champion Trevor Lowe, and you're listening to Bass Edge Radio. 
dude. Smooth operator, Edwin Evas. That was a good interview. I enjoyed talking to Edwin. He's a great guy, super nice. Love the whole family thing, the pecan deal. I'm going to get those lucky pecans. I'm telling you. <laughs> You're just but, all about the candy pecans. Uh, dude, dude, I, I think I think it, you know, I'm, I'm talking about the lucky cookies. Now, screw the cookies, dude. We got lucky pecans. That's what I'm talking about. But uh, Edwin's got a great look on stuff. It seems like he's kind of, I don't want to say nonchalant, but it just kind of rolls through him. You know, when he talks about, you know, a technique or something, it seems pretty easy, just kind of a simple deal all the time. I think you're right. And certainly he's been a, a longstanding guest of Bass Edge dating back to our first season when we had the television show. And one of the things that always stood out when we filmed together and spending the days together that we have, Kurt, was, you know, breakdown, for instance, when he went in to his discussion about the pecans, right? He traveled all over, went to people's farms, really took in the information and met with people to find the ins and the outs and the possible pitfalls and how to actually uh, make a living at that. Even took a college course, right? And then we transfer that to going to the next tournament where they have not been. And he's like, well, you know, I haven't been there and I'm going to look at some Google Maps and kind of go at it that way. But I think with Edwin, and this is an opinion, but I do believe that there are certain athletes and certain people that just have a skill set, right, to where things come natural. And I think fishing is one of those things. I think he's just flat good. And a lot of times it can come across that he makes it look so easy and that he's not as analytical or reading in depth or into all the biology and stuff like we tend to break down here on Bass Edge. But I do believe he fishes a lot by instinct. And perhaps, like you said, that is why he is in the top 10 of all time of bass fishermen, because fishing is an instinctual sport. That's my opinion. I think that's great insight, and I couldn't agree more. I, I just want to reiterate, there is no question Edwin Evers is top 10 of all time. You know, I don't think at this point yet he's vying for greatest angler of all time. He's going to have to put a couple AOYs on his belt, uh, maybe another couple classics, which is easily done by this guy. I mean, he is always itching at the top. We talked a little bit about Florida. We thought, you know, hey, you got off to a good start. 16th place. After you just won the Classic, you got a crazy schedule. What's he say? Man, 16th was disappointing for me. Yeah, and, and, then, and then you realize what he lost, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and there's a lot of fish lost by everybody, but it shows his expectations. It shows his mental strength. Some people told him, hey, man, it's tough to keep Keep it going. We saw Casey last year. He didn't struggle, but he didn't have a wonderful year. He used his classic requalification by winning the classic to get back into the 16 classic because he didn't qualify through the elites. And and that happens a lot because of the schedules and stuff. But Edwin is determined to get out there. And not only did he win the classic, dude, he's got one thing on his mind. I guarantee it. And he didn't say it, but I know what's on his mind. He wants that AOI title in 2016. And he's going to go out there and he says, you think I can't do it? You watch. I'm going to go out there and try my darndest to make this thing happen. And uh, that tenacity is what makes Edwin Evers successful, I believe. And uh, just, no just a great guy, fun interview. It's been a long episode, but Boy, man, a lot of great stuff. It's been a fun day. It has. And, you know, it's it's one time a year that we have the opportunity to certainly dive off into the psychology and, and pick the brains of the Bassmaster Classic champion or the Forestwood Cup champion or the Angler of the Year. And I like the variety. It just shows you, I think, how tough this 
sport is because I think we have yet to have any repeat person on here that has owned the same title year after year since we've been doing this for the last eight and a half years. And speaking of time and eight and a half years, it seems like, as you alluded to, that we have been on here quite some time. So you know what? Let's shut this down until April 15th. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. Don't forget to do your taxes, everybody. So long. We'll see you next time right here on Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Mercury Marine, Lowrance, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.